0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: hello everyone and welcome to podcast filbert back in the 20s we reviewed a very famous
2: welcome indeed to podcast filbert the filbert podcast a spoiler-free episode review podcast of the critically acclaimed what time is it right now series filbert i'm detective john filbert
1: And I'm Officer Sassy Malone, and you can call us Philbert's wife, because this podcast is hands-on, and you'll probably be dead by the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. (laughs) And, Michael, despite all jokes aside, we are, of course, all business to begin with. You call us the front of the plane, done that the wrong way around, who cares? This is a special (laughs) episode of Podcast Horseman, because... It's a special e- episode of BoJack Horseman, but before we begin, if you want to follow this podcast, please do give us a follow at Podcast Horseman on both Instagram or Twitter. You can also follow either of your hosts on social media and follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit.
2: At Michael and um, You can get this podcast pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. We would love you to find us on Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe or follow, on Acast, where you can subscribe or stream. The devil is Amazon, but spotify ain't no clown you can find us on both of those <laughs> and you can uh, get us through the app, podcast horseman twitter account where every friday a new episode will go up that's available to stream or subscribe through there uh, overcast i'm hearing is a very popular recent one in light of apple doing some really terrible updates to their podcast player um also very good anyway you can get them you can get podcast horseman and we invite you to leave us one of them lovely five star reviews Every podcast you listen to, Banks, and we're no different, um, leave us a five-star review and you stand a chance of getting yourself on our Hollywood Talk of Fame. Check out the At podcast horseman Instagram account to see all those lovely, lovely stars. But for season five, which we have nearly come to an end for, we are looking for quote tweets. It's got the podcast out to a few more people on Twitter. Got more people talking to themselves horse about talking horse. And if you see that link, go up on a Friday and quote tweet it to out all your friends, enemies, and followers. You stand a chance of being randomly selected to get one of our stars. Another one of those coming at the end of this very difficult episode.
1: Yes, there is indeed. And for anybody who's been paying attention, did we notice? Did anybody notice <laughs> what was going on? Uh, did, you you spot?
2: did
0: you get it?
1: Nah, you see, you're talking about a different thing. I'm talking about the fact that last weekend, one star went hmm. out on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. A week-by-week star routine. Could it be possible? Probably not, to be honest, but it was a nice time. <laughs> for that weekend anyway. I hope everybody who's had their stars has been enjoying them and long may this continue. But if you'll indulge me a little bit further, Michael, because I'm just going to go back into Philbot mode just for one more second while we do and head over, sorry, to Netflix for our synopsis for this week's episode of Philbot. So excuse me while I bring in my colleague here for just a second. <clears throat> so the Netflix synopsis for this week, it's season five, episode 11. The Showstopper. Filbert is a hit and filming begins on season two. But as Bojack spirals deeper into addiction, he loses grip on reality. Of course, you've all been an, uh, in anticipation. We know the deal. It's an episode 11. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be intense.
2: A couple of funny voices because this is not a funny episode. Uh, indeed, episode 11, The Showstopper. This is The Showstopper, Adam Nicholas. Filbert is the main event, Adam Nicholas, but is Bojack Horseman the icon that can still go? It wasn't looking that way last week, but we might have to wait a little bit longer to find out because this is a what time is it right now original series. We don't get the Netflix title card. We are being given, as you may have guessed from our foreshadowing, the intro to an episode of Filbert. We have gone through the Bojack looking glass. We get the previously on Filbert video wrapping up all of the events of season one. It's great because we've seen snatches of them being filmed, but it's lovely to see them together in the context they were intended. Basically talks us through the central plot of season one, where we see for, and learn like in full detail for the first time that Fritz, Mr. butter's character, is responsible for strangling Philbert's wife to death. So Philbert shoots him. Uh, that's the scene that ends, of course, with Sassy and Philbert's kiss before the nuclear missiles distract them both. And. Um, And because Philbert got a season two, thanks to Henry Fondall's enthusiasm with it, um, we get the the opening credits to season two. Not the Bojack credits, but the Philbert ones. It's every procedural slash prestige show you've ever enjoyed, um, all kind of cut up into one lovely mix. I've not seen a cut up as sweet since uh, on the mashup mix you had deepest blue going with pipe piper i don't think there's ever been one more satisfying but i know you're going to get into the details on your section of the podcast so we'll leave that there um it's brilliant and bullshit all at the same time and i again didn't want to like trample on your toes but um i just wanted to like highlight one specific line from the lyrics to remind you why this is a bad show perfected by the creators of a brilliant one in the form of bojack horseman because it looks and feels so much like a Breaking Bad or Sopranos, maybe both of them mashed together. And yet one of the very last lines in the lyrics of the theme is, the devil is a woman, but ain't no clown. <laughs> pro of absolutely nothing. At no other point has gender factored into the credits into the show, but that has been deemed a necessary requirement of the final lyrics before the show starts proper. Oh, like just a home run. Of a, of a gag, really, these credits. Um, but it's season two. Philbert um, looks over his balcony, Bojack's balcony, effectively, over Hollywood, which is now uh, post-nuclear wasteland, I guess. It's all browns and greys and dark greens. Um, him and Sassy are still good. Um, it's six months after the events of season one where he's been able to reveal to her the truth of what happened to his wife um, and, indeed, I guess the truth of everything else of what made Philbert such a troubled detective in the first place. But cut... As the scene comes to a close with the two of them, with Bojack eating some prop ice cream and spitting it up against a prop wall. Um, but we kind of stay in the mode of a television show. And this is where it's going to get tricky to review and I will do my best, so like, please try and stick with me. We're going to be flipping between Bojack, the unreliable narrator, and Philbert, the unreliable television character. That will hopefully become clear as the episode goes along. Um, it's Bojack now narrating instead of Phil, but we've still got the voice of Bojack, it instead now Bojack Horseman talking about his life. The show's a hit. Gina's a star, um, but we get a very split second cut of Bojack necking pills in the dark. A, while he's talking about how happy Gina is, and that he's not jealous about that, and B, well, because it's an episode 11, and you just know what you're getting into here. Um, He notes that he's really happy not to be bitter and jealous for a change, and he's just earnestly happy for Gina. Um, But he's got, quote, a rancid itch that something isn't right, and quote, there's always something lurking just beyond the horizon which as he says, horizon gives us a point of view shot from BoJack where he appears to spot the giant inflatable BoJack from the last episode that was released by Diane floating through the Hollywood skies. And uh, we get a hard cut to Philbert, not BoJack, Philbert answering his phone in a scene in the show in of course, what looks like BoJack's bed with yet more flashbacks to Fritz strangling his wife. The scene cuts again with Flip a little bit miffed with Mr. Peanut Butter that the strangling looks fake. Uh, within the shot it doesn't look realistic enough even though he has got his hands around this woman's neck um meanwhile gina notes that the script has completely gone to shit since diane left but bojack is not really concerned with all that added literally is that the hack writer has added he's more worried that it's starting to feel increasingly stolen from his life that the plot is starting to mirror what bojack is currently experiencing in real life and um, there's a dead chief of police which bojack compares to a dead herb the male sort of authority figure in his life um, the chief in question that's been killed is called Basil, which he says is like basil, which is a herb. He's reaching, basically, uh, Gina tries to talk him down, but Bojack wants to get to the bottom of it, and we find out that he's gonna go see Flip to get a bit more information. Uh, lot to kind of pass from the opener. Philbert Gag was amazing, but already we learn that it's more than just a spin-off cold open. It's basically setting us up for the entire episode. What we've seen over the season is that increasing blurring of the lines between Bojack, the man, uh, the horseman, and Philbert, the character, and now they've blurred to a point where even we, the viewer, can't necessarily work out the reality until we're being given a visual or audio clue ourselves.
1: They've done a fantastic job here of like putting us in exactly Bojack's shoes, haven't they? We've watched it happening piece by piece as he's sort of intake of the medication for his once- bad back then another injury because of a car crash that he took himself into then we think pretty much just pure addiction at this point yeah. has now caused him to lose his grip on reality i mean what was the quote from the previous two episodes ago one episode episode ago i don't know what's real anymore and i don't know if i care he says and we've kind of walked right into that territory i think at this point hmm. where we now don't know anymore like They've made the the narrative structure of the episode to the point where we aren't actually sure, which is really useful in terms of us understanding what Bojack's going through. Really difficult if you're trying yeah. to do a review podcast about it <laughs> and explain <laughs> it to the listeners.
2: It's uh, yet another enjoyable challenge to try and figure out how to articulate some of the things. Because obviously, you know, we are just humble reviewers and this is a fun thing to do. But I think it only puts over the quality of the work as well. It is kind of so hard to nail down. I, straight away, every t- and I think the first two examples of, of a Filbert scene is the tension is broken up by a cut or something that reveals that you're in a, in a shot rather than in Bojack's life. I kind of quite articulate the sense of relief I felt both times that we were in a television show because things are pretty dark. And at this point, we're well accustomed to Bojack's real life being dark enough. So when somebody, even Flip, pulls you out of the darkness for just a second because it's just a TV show, what a relief and what a catharsis that is that, oh, things aren't that bad. Even in episode 11, you're like, oh, things aren't that bad yet. Like, it was nice that that was just a bit of scripted dialogue and not Bojack's miserable existence.
1: Like, those moments feel like you could opt in, but also opt out, which is yeah. nice. <laughs> Because they aren't real life and because there is someone who could just tell you cut and it'll be all over. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Unfortunately, because they seem to be sort of mirroring each other a lot more. and we Some really nice cuts we'll get throughout this episode, but already at this point where they've they just let things flow between just to kind of, if you aren't paying attention, you can sometimes find yourself cruising in between fictional and I guess we'll call it non-fictional, even though they're both fictional really for us, the viewer you kind of find yourself cruising in and they do it so many times where you just think you're still doing this one thing and actually you've you've sort of blurred that line further. Really lovely stuff this and we expect nothing less from the gang over at BoJack Horseman.
2: Yeah, it's knowing at this point five seasons in what an episode 11 represents. It's good that they don't like drop you in quickly with so many rug pulls because there are plenty to come.
1: I would also like to say as well I love I love the idea that there's people sitting who are watching an episode 11 again, having watched four to this point now and understanding what the, where the bar is. Anybody who may, have, may or may not have had like a stopwatch or a timer that was just running just to see how long it was before their heart might start to break. <laughs> the feeling of doom and dread completely overtakes you. I'd be interested to know if anybody has their actual timestamps.
2: <laughs> I, I don't imagine it's very long. Um, because Bojack goes into to see Flip, as we say, to like kind of, basically trying to have it out with him about the feeling that his reality has been penetrated by Flip's writing at this point. But Flip is instead missing the point entirely and is is actually very paranoid because of the popsicle joke theft that was explored in the last episode, which felt like the most throwaway of gags one episode ago, and now suddenly feeds brilliantly into a sort of a side plot between Flip and Bojack here. Um, Flip's obviously super paranoid, Bojack has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. And if we go back to Bojack narrating, Um, though it's increasingly like Philbert in terms of the tone of his voice, the one that we were trying aimlessly to mirror at the start of this episode. Um, as he becomes more convinced that Flip is hiding something. Um, Princess Carolyn interrupts any of that because Bojack isn't even in his trailer as he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. It's actually Sting Liotta's trailer um, as we get a nice pullback and reveal of Sting swimming around in this pool of water as Bojack <laughs> lies across his sofa. Um, the whole trailer is full of water. There's not even a floor to be seen. Uh, Princess Carolyn like, rather passively looks out for him But admits it's mainly down to her wanting to keep Philbert on schedule because Bojack always screws everything up. We get quite a nice mirroring of the route we had with Diane last week, where Bojack, in seeing that somebody wants Bojack to be well for their own reasons as much as his, he immediately decides to try and gaslight them. It's always a woman, it's always that defensive reaction that Bojack takes. Princess Carolyn makes a point to note that 218 people will be out of work if he does what he normally does, which is screw up, but nonetheless. He kind of still like fires back at her all the same. He, um He's just kind of snarky in his response. He necks a few more pills. He negs her for being missing on the one day that he hurt his back, which he, of course, puts on her for why he's actually taking these pills. Um, sarcastically noting that, oh, you're taking great care of him. She'll be an awesome mother. What a piece of shit. Um, hey. She still tries to kind of like almost make excuses for him, suggests that he's probably overworked and just needs some sleep. So she sends him home to have one good night's rest, so he can come back to the set like fully recovered and ready to go. He does apologise for the mother comment before he heads off for the day. Um, not completely dead inside, not just yet. Bojack's in bed, and it's four a.m. and he's been paranoid all night. Um, and wired about Flip and what Flip might apparently know about his life and want to bring into the show. Uh, it's been eight hours as we learn through Gina's entire like just complete exasperation as she lays next to him in bed. Um, Bojack complains about Princess Carolyn then basically just starts squealing about all sorts of stuff to such an extent that his narrator voice tells him to cool it in front of Gina, so of not give the game away that he's unravelling. Um, he races into his bathroom to school yet more pills, but suddenly darkness just descends around him and a heavenly staircase leading upwards to a bright light appears in front of him. It's only for a split second because Gina snaps him out of it and notes that he's uh, bringing the character home with him. It's something that's happened to her before. Um, he agrees with her, but spends all the time while she's explaining a story of when it happened to her on another show, frantically searching all of his cupboards for pills. He's not really listening. He is becoming increasingly consumed by this addiction. It's the next morning, uh, and Bojack does seem more relaxed uh, having a cup of coffee in his kitchen, but is again rattled by the sight looking out of his window of what he believes to be the giant Bojack balloon in the sky. Uh, He grabs a banana, but it's not banana. It's really just hiding a pill bottle. That's empty. So he digs more from a cactus that he's got in his kitchen where he's got a full bag of them underneath the little plant pot. Um, Backwards music briefly plays in his head, sound of a woman singing, but it's like, sort of like looped backwards. But even then, that's short, much like the kind of the cut to the darkness in the staircase before, these things only last about a second at a time because it's broken up by a ransom note of some description getting slipped under his door. It says, quote, you did a bad thing and I'm going to tell. All the letters are in the, the cut up magazine style that you, you see typically. Bojack back in his narrator voice says, quote, the Bojack mysteries will continue after this. Again, like, kind of like giving the idea that he's trapped either A, in a television show, B, in the Philbert character, or C, in his spiralling new C's. But he did promise us an advert break, so let's have one. We cut to Todd smoking a pipe. Uh, but in fact, he's not advertising anything with that grand gesture of, hello, expecting maybe that you were going to get some sort of like, some high life product revealed. No, in fact, he's got nothing at all. He didn't realise that in his position as president of advertising, he would be required to sell adverts. They've got thirty million dollars of advert <laughs> time to try and sell, and he's open to literally anything. Back to back to quote the show, and Bojack is still stressed about the note until his internal monologue is again broken up by Gina. She mentions featuring in a magazine article, but his reply is entirely about the note, ignoring her point entirely. He's back in his own head. He's worried that the person could destroy the show and subsequently Gina's career. He keeps leaning on this idea that he wants the show to thrive because he wants Gina to be happy. It's no longer about, (laughs) Phil's success is no longer about his own. Um, She has absolutely no clue what's going on with him. more, I guess we know more than she does at this point. A few things there. It feels like a good place to break because there aren't many in this particular episode. Bojack's staircase shot, uh, Bojack's unraveling, the narrator voice, the overlaps, all this sort of stuff were in this. Now, we've gone from being given polite reminders of this being a TV show and this being Bojack Horseman to suddenly being up to our knees in the mire that he's found himself in.
1: Yeah, watching the unravelling begin to happen that we, you know, we kind of assumed, I guess, was going to happen in the episode 11. It doesn't make it any less impactful because especially those little cutaways where the music seems to disappear or goes real drab for a second and you get like a flash of this one place or this one thing, specifically punctuated by that staircase moment is really sort of... It fills you full of dread because you know we're going for this now. This is happening. We are in it, as you say. The lines are no longer even blurred. The two have become one. We are at that yeah. point where he doesn't know, we don't know, and there's no way to stop it anymore. Um, using his narration in his head, by the way, but a great way to just kind of blend the two together. Like I love, I'm a sucker for a bit of um, film noir, narrate that stuff anyway. So that was already mm. going to be a selling point, but using <laughs> it as a great way to sort of merge these two together. Bojack trying to figure out what's what's real and what isn't real anymore, and like you said, the the real sort of turning up to eleven of his neuroses as we see it all fall to pieces. And we mentioned this the other week, where we mentioned how quickly going from uh, being like a high functioning alcoholic or a high functioning drug addict, essentially, is what he's at now. Yeah, we see all these different hiding spots that he's got for his drugs, and how quickly mm. and frequently he's taking these drugs, and it's just water off a horse's back at the <laughs> like, it just it, it, it doesn't even seem to strike him as a worrying situation to be in and, and, yeah, these little cuts to the dark moments oh god, it's like, I can't even explain it, it's like them going you know it's going to be bad, like you, <laughs> it's, it's like every time that happens, it's they might as well just flash across the screen to go with it just a text that says, episode <laughs> 11 <Yeah. laughs> that's uh, what it and- feels like, doesn't it?
2: Anything so early in the episode that takes you away from the central figures, the central characters having a plot, having a story, the the places they might be in, anything like that, once that's all taken away from you so quickly, it's such an uneasy feeling. Like as you say, like it's it's all better off and we're gonna go there because like we don't just go here for one second at a time and you know that this is foreshadowing what else is to come. I think it's like really like the reveal, particularly the giant bag of pills in the cactus. There's hundreds. There's hundreds in this bag. This is not... We've normally dealt with bottles with Bojack and he's like sculling these bottles and he's mm-hmm. said to Hollyhock before about how difficult it is to get hold of them from a pharmacist or whatever. That bag's not from a doctor's. That bag's been like acquired through, you know, ill-gotten. And all of that is from a learning experience from with Hollyhock. Like, he can't afford... Like, that one day that he had with this daughter figure, a stepsister, but a daughter figure... Flushing them down the sink for what she believed to be his like his best interests yeah. has led to him getting them from God knows where. Somebody just as dangerous who was ever selling bojack back in season two, because that is like there's something very unpleasant about the sheer quantity he's got—a dealer's quantity worth—and he's just taking them like unregulated by any one professional at this point.
1: Well, the only other person we could compare this to might be Who else had an entire house? that was full of drugs in various different places. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we are seeing a very similar pattern to, of course, for anybody who hasn't connected the dots yet, Sarah Lynn's house, where Mm -hmm. she had like LSD on the wall. She had (laughs) drywall that was cocaine, or she thought it was cocaine, but it was actually just drywall. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many different hiding places for drugs in their house. And it's almost like this is the thing they have with addicts where they learn they learn like little tricks from other addicts or people who are going through, often when people are going through like uh, mental health struggles as well, and they end up in a place with multiple other people who have similar issues to them, they sort of learn little tricks from one another inadvertently, which then stick with them, these little bad habits. And you can't help but think that BoJack has picked up a few things along the way, but as you say, we see, is it worth calling it evolution? because he's learned (laughs) from the mistakes of the Hollyhock incident, but it's a devolution of his actual personality and humanity, right?
2: Well, it's funny you say that, right? Because I love the inclusion of the letter and the constant reminder that he wants the show to thrive for Gina, because as a viewer, you have to hang on to something rational from Bojack's point of view. You need... like.
1: Paranoia. As we have done for, like, five seasons at this point. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, you know paranoia to be a consequence, perhaps, of a drug addiction, let's say. um, So you can completely accept that's why he's suffering it. Um, But he's received a note that appears threatening, and you need him to have that, because otherwise you'd be watching the show and you'd see him unravelling, again, screwing up, as Princess Carolyn says, costing people jobs by being BoJack. But he's got this letter in his hand that isn't going to end well. And it, and, it, and he's right. It isn't going to end well for Gina. Like, she will suffer as a result of... What did he say last week? Nobody suffers more than BoJack Horseman. He knew mm. that to be bollocks. Like, Gina will suffer as a result of the actions of BoJack Horseman because somebody that sent a letter knows that he's done something bad enough that he thinks could end this show. And I love their inclusion of that here because all the little quick cuts and all the little hidden drugs that, as you say, he's become, like, almost impressively efficient at, um, it all builds into this character that would have, you'd have no way to defend it and yet, he's running around with his letter. He's, the panic is not entirely without justification even though you are seeing him neck days worth of drugs in one city.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely and they've given you enough in the previous episode after the eventual fallout with Diane and who might know about what's going on as a result of that and what that could possibly do to not just Bojack but to the people who are involved with the show or anybody indeed just in Bojack's actual life who probably mm almost definitely won't deserve it.
2: (laughs) Well, speaking of people who don't deserve it, let's go back to Sassy. Um, She's informed Bojack that they need to go see a coroner. Um, But Philbert notes that the coroner, quote, used to be one of his closest friends. Um, Again, like kind of tacitly flashing back to the lost, seemingly lost relationship with Diane from last week's episode. Um, We cut to a... And um, paranoid Bojack from that moment, a paranoid Bojack brain on Diane's door in real life. Um, he thinks she sent the note, as you say, just one of the many people that is both a friend but a potential enemy. Um, but she looks at it and says it wasn't her. Um, she asks who is pissed off this week. And he notes that loads of people have it out to him, which at which point we cut back to Philbert and Filbert asking who would have it out for the chief. It's all in one breath now. We're not getting cuts. These are scenes that we are not even to see the join of. It just moves from one scene to the next that quickly. Gina reveals that the coroner has been strangled to death, um, which Philbert thinks he sees, uh, which Philbert obviously believes to be Fritz. And then he believes he sees Fritz walking past him in the corridor as they're speculating that it could be him. Philbert uh, lines up some suspects, but again, it seamlessly cuts to Bojack at home doing the exact same thing and lined up suspects of who might have sent the note. Um, he sneaks pills out of a Golden Globe as he's uh, as he's sort of going through the suspects on his board. And interestingly, misses the giant balloon Bojack floating past his window at this very point. That's there for us to see, not for him. Uh, checking his phone, he uh, decides to make a phone call to put one of his theories to bed. Um, in this case, it's Charlotte. He hits call, but he changes his mind completely. Too late because he hasn't hit end call. He has actually rang through to Charlotte's landline and it's Kyle who picks up rather than Charlotte. Kyle's awesome and wonderful, obviously. And Bojack does an absolutely abysmal job of pretending for some reason to be a Scottish cable company worker, lousy accent included. Bojack almost immediately forgets his own line and forgets his own character he's supposed to play and gets into quizzing him very specifically on his marriage to Charlotte to get a read on her and how she's doing. And then asks about quote, his daughter's sexual maturity. He's asking these questions, wanting Kyle to rank in like marked out of 10, which Kyle goes for eight, which is quite nice. Um, and because he answers in it, he kind of alleviates Bojack's worries about New Mexico as a possible destination for where this letter might have come from. Um, but again, it cuts seamlessly into Philbert noticing how the first plan has failed, which is obviously what's happening in Bojack's life too. They've got a host of strangle victims at this point and still just can't see the link between the suspects. But it, uh, as they're looking at this suspect board, it cuts to Bojack's suspect board again. Um as he narrates over images of Diane, Kelsey Jennings, Lenny Turtletop and countless others that obviously we've come to know in Bojack's life and Bojack's come to know over the last few years. The camera pulls out at this point to reveal a production assistant who's quite confused with Bojack's narration because it turns out he's been doing it out loud and she's been there expected to take notes because Bojack's the star uh, and obviously everything he narrates is phrased as an order and something she's maybe expected to do as a task that day. Um, he panics about being late for set but she reminds him that they're actually on set which is yet another sort of realisation of how he's just living the same life at home and at work. And it's at this point we get our second glimpse of this stairway to the mysterious white door. Um, But it's another quick cut because we find Bojack back outside Flip's office. We don't know how we got there, making him wonder, does even he? Um, As he's listening to what appears to be a conversation between Flip and Princess Carolyn behind the closed door, saying, quote, Bojack's onto us. Flip, of course, is only on about the popsicle guy. um, But unravelling Bojack doesn't seem to spot that at all. Um, Nor does he spot Mr. Peanutbutter's own insecurities. Mr. Peanutbutter comes up to speak to him, but he's very distracted by his own worries and his own guilt. As a series of miscommunications between Mr. Peanutbutter and Bojack reveal that what we thought happened last week did and that Mr. Peanutbutter and Diane spent the night together. Doesn't use those words exactly, but we're given enough clues to let us know. So there it is—the big Mr. Peanut Butter reveal. This is not going to be a big Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane episode. They are merely, I guess, feature players in Bojack's life, much as they are like kind of feature players in Philbert's life, Philbert the TV show. But a canny big bit of news in the uh, in the world of Mr. Peanut Butter and sadly Pickles as well as Diane—a payoff to last week's cliffhanger, if you want to call it that. Um, and something lost to Bojack himself being lost in his own world. Something that Mr. Butter has accidentally given to everybody, but in reality, he's only given it to us. It's not good, though.
1: It's not good at all. And this is the point where Pickles will eventually probably have to come to the terms with the fact that she herself, Michael, taking her own advice, just needs to remember that she is in a pickle. And then when you think of her name, that is the actual <laughs> thing that you are in and that's how you remember it. But this is huge. This mm-hmm. is and I love the way they do this as well because this is so big, and yet because of the episode we're in, it doesn't get allowed to be. You have to be paying attention to find, to sort of, not super paying attention, but this is so quickly brushed through where we, through context, discover that Mr. Peanutbutter and Diane definitely did the dirty dangle together, Michael. <laughs> um, maybe not the dirty dangle, because that's slightly different, <laughs> but... <the> different- <laughs> They definitely did the sex, Michael. <laughs> is, um, I think they definitely it was, did that.
2: There was definite fracking inside. It was definitely, Times frack Department.
1: me, Mr. Peanut Butter. Frack <laughs> me, Mr. Peanut Butter. Interesting though, because obviously I'm, uh, you guys, you can imagine there's gonna be some fallout to this at some mm-hmm. point. But right now, fallout, if you pardon the pun. But then we kind of have to sort of put that on the back burner because it's not, like, again, huge news but not huge in the episode and the life of Jack Horseman and Philba at this point, unfortunately.
2: No, um, huge was probably one of the best ways to describe a world-class cameo from Ed Helms as Kyle. Not quite Kyle and the kids, but certainly Kyle and one of his older kids and what she's up to sexually. Yeah. Uh, like, what is a great bit of, in an episode that really needs it, like they nailed, like, you know, what we don't talk about enough on these episode 11s, is the little snatch of comic relief that you always get. This was it, and they nailed it. Like, don't go to Charlotte. Don't go to the boat. Don't go to Penny, any of that. Go to Kyle, because what a teasing way to return to New Mexico. It's none of what you want, but it's all of what you need in this specific episode.
1: It's absolutely perfect, isn't it? And the fact that just a reminder of how good of a person Kyle is as well, because not only do we get a nice breakdown of Kyle's life, which he quite happily answers, I should point out, <laughs> but more the fact that Kyle is the kind of person in life who will take time out of his busy day, <laughs> clearly making food for the family as well at this point, to just do a survey. Just, mm-hmm. just to, he's got no idea it's BoJack. Incredibly, has no idea that it's BoJack, and just does a survey as like as a nice thing. Like a polite thing that who does a save Nobody does saves. I love that Not they good. do this. They remind you how good he is, and because of the results of the the results, I say of the saving, <laughs> we get some great context in the fact that because he's quite honest, isn't he? And we get this great context how he says him and Charlotte hit a bit of a rough patch, but they've got through mm-hmm. it and they're stronger than ever. He says that his daughter's pretty much doing great, despite, like from what he can tell. So again, much like the Diane Mister Peanut Butter stuff, these are big things we're being told. Yeah. But they are being told that we're through these sort of more comedic, slightly less impactful means. But there's a lot to pick up here. You've got to be paying attention.
2: I am from the cable company. How would you rank your daughter's sexual maturity on a scale of (laughs) 1 to 10? I've I've
1: had that conversation. (laughs) I've had that conversation. And the only reason I didn't answer was because I don't have a daughter.
2: (laughs) Same. Comes up every time I'm changing my broadband provider. And I just (laughs) say, I'm sorry, I've I've only got sons. It's not what they want. It's not what they want to hear for their research. Um. Yeah, that was fun. Let's get back to something that isn't. Bojack's lying in bed with Gina, but when he calls her that, we hear Flip's voice and they're filming and things have really gone to shit. So everything we said at the start of the episode about always having Flip's voice as the reminder that you're just in television is taken off you now because Bojack's calling her Gina when they're trying to film. He's lost, so, so what chance have we got? Um, in the scene, Sassy goes to sleep And Fritz appears holding a gun to Bojack's face Um, says that they're the same in some hilariously awful scripting from Flip. Samey, samey, same, same, same. which, of course, is a great gag because it plays perfectly to what we've always observed about Mr. Peanut Butter and Bojack, but now it's happening between Fritz and Filbert. And a fight breaks out between the two. Fritz dives out the window and Filbert uses the broken glass of his window to illustrate to Sassy that all the pieces are starting to fit together. That, however, segues into Bojack's suspect board. Again, we never get one thought seen through by either Filbert or Bojack before it's back to the other character. Uh, Every main character, effectively at this point, on his board is a, a suspect. We've got Diane, and I know why you... I know why you're laughing. No, I'm about to say because there's a lovely guy coming up. You see Princess Caroline, you see Diane, you see Todd, etc. As he wonders aloud what they all have in common, who is now also included as a suspect. Common, the rapper and actor, of course, uh, is of course is now on his list. Um, He believes that Filbert only exists to expose all his secrets and a pullback and reveal shows the same assistant there yet again, having a listen to this narration, having to listen to everything Bojack said, which at this point is getting pretty revealing about the Filbert process. Um, She's still being forced to take notes um, and she's the one this time that says you need to get to set because it's a reverse of the last time. He thinks they're there, but they're not. They're still at his house. Bojack has missed his call time. This Unraveling is now starting to affect his work exactly in the way that Princess Carolyn said it would. He shambles into set late, spouting all his panic and paranoia out loud instead of in his narrator voice. Um, But he seems to have a breakthrough when he says the words face. He says, quote, clocks have faces, and he dashes off again as quick as he got there, leaving Gina and the crew and everybody else just left there to wait. Really nice how it highlights here, just how many people are affected by Bojack's failure to perform professionally. It's something that they've not dwelled upon quite as much before, but just that that pull out to reveal all the set. It's not just Gina, It's not just Flip. It's a bunch of people holding cameras, lights, all of that sort of stuff. we see him speeding somewhere in his car, necking pills. Great shot, this. Interspersed with a shot of Filbert driving on a set. The car's just on a treadmill going over, and it's a cardboard background of the same shot's. Bojack's passing in real life. Chef's kiss indeed. Um, And then it's back to reality and back to the offices of what time is it right now? He's talked himself into thinking that it was Todd who sent the letter. But the only thing Todd has done is set up some pretty lousy advertising (laughs) marketing campaigns, um, such as, quote, the Phil Burrito. So, Zesty, you'll forget your murdered wife. Uh, (laughs) Bojack, Bojack sees the ransom note on Todd's desk, though, and rants at Todd, assured that it must be him that's done it. But in doing so, knocks over a load of really cheesy filbert cardboard crowds—the type of thing you'd have at your your corporate party or indeed the premiere of the episode. It's the only way that Todd's been able to claw back some of this money. And um, a ton of them fall over in Todd's office, leading to a domino effect where the last one falls on top of Henry Fondle, who the dera- and it just happens to be a Fritz cutout. So the deranged Bojack just believes this to be Fritz coming towards him with a gun. It's not a gun. It's a dildo, but Bojack isn't bought by this. When Henry Fondle says the phrase, quote, I am going to blow my load, we get yet more Henry Fondle miscommunication because, of course, we do with Philbert over top of him. But Henry blows his load, in this case, Loub, says, what a sweet gal, and then leaves the scene as quick as possible. At which point, Bojack panics that, quote, Fritz is getting away because, of course, he doesn't realise it's Henry. He believes it to be Fritz. But when he pushes Todd back to try and go for him, holy shit, the walls appear in 2D and cascade downwards like the cardboard cutout dominoes, Todd included. Nothing is real. Um, let's have a chat, because a big one's coming next. Oh, do we have to? This... <laughs> <laughs> the Henry Fonda gag was amazing. The falling down of the set reduced the card, reduced the rubble was incredible, and Bojack's going to pieces, confirmed. We're we're there now. We're there now. When he rushes off away for that second time, when he abandons the set, when he leaves Gina, who is clearly running out of patience with him, the last one that would have stuck with him, Princess Carolyn doing exactly, like, him doing exactly what she told him not to. This is the point of no return, and you know it, and you dread it, and you try and run from it, but you can't, because when you try and run from it, as Bojack, and indeed Henry Fondle does, All the set falls around around you.
1: All the set does fall indeed. Now, before we go into this, let's just talk about something really important here, Michael. You mentioned that it's not a gun. It's a dildo. (laughs) (laughs) And let's just say that everything's a dildo if you're brave enough, Michael. That's the important thing (laughs) to take away from this. But And that was the only thing that was ringing through my head the whole time you said that. But more importantly, uh, yes, Bojack's entire whole world has just... I mean... There is no overstating how, I mean, I've written it down here in my notes. Whole office and Todd turning to cardboard, trippy, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> because this is horrifying. Bojack in a frantic, panicked state, at the height of just his own delusions and hysteria, and the way he touches Todd and Todd just becomes cardboard and falls back, while all the whole room that he's in disappears, and him just being left in this. Again, this like little B-roll room that we keep cutting to where it's Bojack essentially in a, what looks like a dark studio mm-hmm. and there's nothing there for him other than darkness and the unknown, essentially. God, it's heart-wrenching. It's like we are just falling deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole with him as this episode goes and this is literally, this is it, isn't it? This is, yes. we might have hit the bottom of the rabbit hole because the wall's dropped down and there's nothing left. There was no more chopping and changing between narratives right this second. We just have Bojack, the horse, in the dark, with four <laughs> walls around him that haven't closed in, they have collapsed.
2: Yeah, they have not closed in, but don't mistake that for thinking there's a way out because there absolutely isn't. No. Nope. Um, let's dive into the darkness with him, shall we? Uh, he is, again, in that, as you see, you can just sort of see the little hints of a studio or something, something Hollywood-y, but it's all dark until Gina greets him from the darkness, um, dressed kind of like as a as a, as a musical character, as a showgirl sort of character. Um, she says he doesn't really want to fix anything before breaking into an enormous musical number. We'll never forget the feeling of when this, when I first watched this episode, I don't think anybody will. Um, we're not going to do it justice, we can only try. This is incredible. Uh, it's a song called, quote, Don't Stop Dancing Till The Curtain Falls it's an audio visual feast of all of Bojack's terrible acts that he's then forced to face through the medium of Gina singing this leg kicking 20s New York good time good song about abject misery Um, he's brought face to face with the death of Sarah Lynn, Stolen D, the secretariat uh, interview on Dick Cavett, New Mexico is bolt some of them are even displayed in the same style as the stupid piece of animations, those kind of like scribbled, almost cartoon doodles of the incidents. It's very clear what the incidents are, but it's just the way that they're presented in that kind of warped fashion. Um, We see all the lame Filbert merch spotted across billboards, across Hollywood, the latest thing that's just gonna make him rich in a way that he doesn't deserve. Uh, A tap dancer in a Beatrice costume, dancing directly into a coffin that then Gina kicks over face down so she is locked in it forever. Bojack letters in massive lights, not filbert letters, a bojack in these huge, enormous lights. The type that now you would see egotistical stand-ups get uh, behind their arena-sized DVD shows placed. Um, giant inflatable bojack is back, but it deflates hurriedly like you would, like you would see a balloon and <laughs> piles into him so violently that it actually smashes his face into the screen, like our screen, the screen that we're watching, that is now made of solid glass, that bloodies his face up. And um, There's an amazing shot, if you can pause it just in time, because everything's happened so quickly, where you see Bojack smashed up against the glass and his face just awash with blood. Um, it knocks him awake from the dream, as we, as we then learn was a dream. Um, as dreams often do, I guess, end in that moment where you are falling or where you get hit or whatever. It shocks him awake. Um, Well, I say a dream, obviously some kind of nightmare. Uh, And because it's this episode and because now we've learned to assume nothing, we don't know whether it's Bojack or Filbert. And we don't even get a second to assume it because if it's Bojack that wakes up, we're suddenly in a Filbert scene where Sassy has pulled a gun on him. Mm more of that in just a second because we're going to have to do our own advertising break here this musical interlude man oh my word they continue to find new ways to shock surprise delight and dazzle and i think it's safe to say all of that is contained within this two or three minutes of just exquisite television
1: i mean this show is really 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 good
0: (laughs) And that's all I've got.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's it. No, but what I was going to say, the end to that sentence was they're really good at playing with juxtaposition in some of the most painful ways possible. This is like right up there. Like having Gina come and deliver, of course, even a tie in in itself back to Gina trying to sing to Flip and Princess Carolyn earlier in the show. Oh, uh, God, and obviously, yeah. even the whole out. thing falls flat on itself. And here she is, because it's something in his subconscious that he's picked up on. Obviously, the real uh, singing voice, Stephanie Beatriz in this, is very good, and she, she could do it. But I love how that, even that in itself is a small detail that is inside the head of BoJack. He remembers Gina. You remember she did some singing once. Let's just give you this hellish nightmare world. <laughs> well, she sings, as you said, like this amazing sort of, 1920s feel-good song and tap dance number. with She's got the top hat and she's got the cane, the whole thing, very uh, Chicago kind of-esque. Mm. She's dancing around. Um, but just this, you know, you would normally maybe call this a walk down memory lane, but this is mm. anything but a fun walk down memory lane. This is like, this is your life, the Halloween nightmare version. like <laughs> Because everything feels like we start wherever, like with Gina and Bojack, we go, we are literally going through essentially what feels like a tunnel at times of Bojack's, what's the opposite to the greatest hits? Because whatever it is, that's it. It's not the greatest hits, it's the greatest shit. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> nightmarish. It gives you the, some of the key moments in this show where Bojack has been the worst stupid piece of shit in his whole life. As Gina pushes us along, and him along, unwittingly, into each one and forces him to face them one by one the tune is amazing by the way the song is so good the lyrics are fantastic too more on those later on um just everything about this is 10 out of 10 and yet it's an episode 11 and it's 11 (laughs) out of 11 of me feeling like oh god oh god this is getting worse oh god please make it stop (laughs)
2: Well, from those, well, night terrors, I guess, to some daytime ones. Because, yes, Gina has pulled a gun on him. Uh, Or Sassy, should I say, has pulled a gun on him. We know that to be true. It is in Filbert. Um, But that cuts to Bojack and Gina in the exact same spot as the Filbert scene where Sassy has got a gun to Bojack's head, uh, to Filbert's head. Um, In their real life, she's figured out that he's addicted to the painkillers. And she's not very unhappy about it. Um, It cuts rapidly between Sassy holding the gun and Gina holding the pills. Those are our kind of comparison points between these two things that are flashing back and forth and back and forth. In Filbert world, Sassy has figured out that Fritz didn't even exist. And it was Filbert who strangled his wife to death and then killed all the others. And not insignificant reveal for the show within a show here, I thought, which is quite nice.
1: Which is actually probably the best part of the show i think like the yeah. the show fillback, certainly i actually was like hey that's actually quite good
2: <laughs> yeah they've actually got some meat on the bones it's like it, what it just took uh, nuclear missiles hitting the <laughs> so, um sassy um sassy says she believes he had to because all of them knew his secret which again ties us back to what's going on in bojack's fragile mind at this point so Philbert starts chasing Sassy, but we cut to Bojack chasing Gina. Again, they're in the same spot on the set. It's uh, Bojack's balcony. Um, sorry, in Bojack's life, it's on Bojack's balcony. And Philbert, it's an identical balcony. Um, he wants his pills desperately, noting that he's trying to protect her from the blackmailer who sent the note. He still believes that the root of this is something good. It's for her. Um, but in the moment of sobering clarity in the real life scene, she flips the note over to reveal it's just marketing for Filbert and that everybody got one. That's all it is. Everybody in LA got one. And as she kind of like coldly reminds him, it's a replica of the note that Filbert received in the show. Filbert's character, of course, now that we know him to be a killer, was receiving a note from somebody that was trying to blackmail him. We go back to the scene in the show where Filbert is actually making the note himself, cutting the letters all out. He's consumed by guilt and madness from the lives he's taken. um, And Filbert can't cope with the revelation. At this point, we go back to real life where Bojack can't even remember shooting the scene, let alone cope with what he's just learned about this note. Gina calls him a mess. Uh, They have the same row as Bojack had with Princess Carolyn and Diane, when when Gina says, well, it's not just about you, it's about me. Bojack yet again gaslights another woman in his life for maybe having some concerns about herself as well as for him at the same time, um, about it supposedly making her selfish, Pretty much the same way he's gone with Princess Carolyn and Diane. Um, She's still will give him the pills. She's wanting to help him. She's wanted to do it for him. Um, but it's back to Filbert. Soundtracked this time by that iconically bleak Bojack Horseman score they've used. When, let's be honest, things have absolutely gone to shit. Um, it's that very sort of dull, minor key note that plays to Sassy wanting to help the Filbert character that she fell in love with. Mirrors very much Diane's case of believing that Bojack can still be good. And Bojack saying he doesn't want help. Filbert doesn't want help either. He says that that Filbert is dead. And he slaps Sassy hard in the face as he does so. Back in real life, Bojack punches a hole in the wall in rage as Gina won't hand over the pills. Thankfully doesn't hit Gina. That's a nice way that we see that the mirroring isn't quite as brutal as the TV show. But he lunges at her all the same. And the pills fly out of her hand as he desperately reaches to get them back. But at this point, we cut back to Philbert growling atop Sassy, strangling her. She tries to fight back, but his grip gets tighter and tighter. There's a tight shot in on Filbert's eyes as they're widening, as he chokes harder and harder and harder. And then, just what we needed at the start of the episode, we get it at the end. Flip McVicar yells, cut. Oh, we can all take a sigh of relief. We can all take a deep breath that obviously Sassy wasn't able to. Because in the real fight, Gina leaves Bojack, says, quote, get help or don't, I don't care anymore. We're at least relieved to see that the strangling is just in the TV show. Only it's not. Back on set, Bojack is choking Gina. You can hear her breathy remarks of, please stop, please stop. Princess Carolyn says, he said, cut. And Mr. Peanut Butter notes with panic all of a sudden that he's really strangling her still is this real is is it fake it can't be real because flip mcvicker tells the cameraman to film it but panic sets in he's actually strangling gina to death a horde of people pull him off it takes a horde he's a thousand pound horse they're trying to pull him off gina he manages to do it and as they pull him away bojack wails in shock He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what he is. He just screams out loud as everybody surrounds him. And only Princess Carolyn goes to Gina's side as she reveals red marks, red handprints around her neck, already leaving an imprint, already leaving scars. She tries to get a scream out, but she can barely catch her breath. Her eyes are bulbous and bloodshot and blackened by the whole thing. Her neck, as I say, is marked. All the crew pull out their phones to film it. As Gina asks, quote, what the fuck is wrong with you? Bojack is plunged back into the darkness before we can even get any more reactions from this chaos on set. He sees the heavenly stairs again, and this time he walks up them. He reaches the top, and then through the white door, he finds himself not, as you may have thought, in heaven, or I guess, indeed, in hell, but just on a, like, scribbled line. Again, it sort of mirrors stupid piece of it's rather crudely drawn. The staircase has just turned into a line staircase. Um, there is a mottled sort of light blue background behind us. Um, looks really nice as a cover art to a podcast you might be able to find on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get them. It's a vision of the sky, but it's definitely not reality. But it's at this point the wind blows through his mane. We can see him walking against some kind of breeze. And that breeze blows over the giant 100-foot BoJack balloon. He stares up at it, and it seems, through its dead, inflatable eyes, to stare directly back to him. We go to credits that play almost entirely to silence, save for two or three more brief chords from that gorgeous score. I want a clap and cry. The end.
1: It was all right, everyone, because it turns out it was all just a dream. All of it, and we're all fine. (laughs) It never happened, so we can all finish this episode happy and lol, wouldn't it be funny if it was real? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no. Oh god, this is so heartbreaking, man. This is like oh you feel like you've had the worst of it almost. That's so mm. good at doing this, do you? You feel like you've had the worst. Couldn't get any worse than the greatest sh- could it? <laughs> um, and little little did we know he had a greatest left in him just yet and that horrible moment for numerous different reasons but where you realise he is finally actually just choking Gina to death Mm -hmm. one of the the things that makes you feel sick to your stomach worse than Bojack doing it is flip (laughs) in McVicker, man (laughs) that absolute piece of shit who tells the cameraman to flick it back on While it's happening, so you can just Mm. get some more realistic footage. And God, if that doesn't make you fucking hate everything about Hollywood and show business in real life, this is a no, never mind this show, Hollywood, show business, the real life, just that horrible machine when it gets a hold of things. Oh, fill me full of pure rage, this more so than probably what Bojack was doing. Although, in the grand scheme of things, I think we can all agree, nearly killing someone is probably a bit worse than this. But yeah, just, oh, powerhouse stuff from the show that only knows how to do powerhouse stuff. And if you haven't already figured it out, or it's season five. Guess what, everyone? If it wasn't a powerhouse already, everything is a powerhouse <laughs> at this point. The show is too top tier for this. And just as you put it there perfectly, because it's just the show that doesn't give you a minute. Much like Gina being strangled, you don't get a second to breathe because you are immediately plummeted into this mysterious dark other world before we go up the staircase and i mentioned it last week one of my favorite shots one of the worst moments in the show yes admittedly but one of my favorite shots in the whole show
0: this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Bojack, face-to-face
1: with the inflated, huge, larger-than-life, in the air, out of control Bojack. And that weird pullback that just shows you a long shot of the two of them. There's something really beautiful about that, man, isn't there?
2: It's it's stunning. It's absolutely. It's honestly gorgeous. It's um, they. Uh, let's talk about the Truman Show. When the spoilers, if you haven't seen this, we don't spoil BoJack, but we spoil Becker and we spoil films. Um, in the Truman Show, where he reaches the wall of his world, basically, they took quite the gamble with that conclusion and how that would look and how that would feel, and I think common consensus and i would certainly agree with this is that they absolutely nailed it um i got a lot of that from this and it was the um the blending of the staircase for me between something that was at first his heavenly light to what was suddenly just an artifice just a a figment of bojack's imagination of his psyche of whatever um what it wasn't was the route to the pearly gates his escape any kind of escape dead alive heaven, whatever. Like, it was none of it. It was, he was about, as you know, he said, face-to-face with himself. There's the literal, there's the figurative, all coming together. Um, The last thing he could possibly want to see in the state he's in is an even bigger version of himself. He wouldn't be the type of horse currently to look in a mirror, and he's having this ginormous one beamed back at him. Um, I I do love how that was um, Truman's, that was his escape, that was his like he reached the top of his own pearly gates and he found heaven in the form of reality. Mm. And he walked through it and he took it because he deserved it. Good, a good man that was needed to have a good life. This is well, I don't want to use the word now because I don't want to put respect on his name, but this was it flipped, wasn't it? Um, hmm. This was Bojack getting no escape because all he wants to escape from is himself, and that's the last person he's ever going to get away from.
1: Yep. Nobody has been hurt more by the actions of Bojack <laughs> Horseman. Then Bojack Horseman, according to the horse himself, from the from the horse's mouth. And unfortunately, uh, it feels like it's true here, yeah, but it definitely isn't. Uh, it might seem like that in the last shot, but it certainly isn't, if we have to ask poor old Gina from just moments earlier. As you alluded to there, the staircase being so intricately detailed and so alluring and exciting almost and tantalising, as you say, throughout the episode, the switch to just essentially a doodle. It's a doodle of a staircase. Over this incredible, another one of those amazing um, sort of textured backgrounds that Lisa Hannawald produces time and time again. Uh, this lovely blue, just such a good contrast, uh, and just breathtaking. Like I would like to look at that image for hours, or just uh, watch a little loop of that moment where they're staring back at one another. It's so so well done, but unfortunately, uh, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't just sit and stare at that forever in a day. And you've got to feel them, Michael. There's got to be some consequences to all of this. But unfortunately, we're not going to get them until the next episode.
2: I know. I've only... I always feel like sometimes I've asked these very big questions of you in the breaks in this episode. And I've only got one more. And then, you know, I promise we're good. Adam and can you tell me some jokes, please?
1: (laughs) You know what it is? I've got a lot. I will tell you this in advance. This might be more... The most, or certainly on par with one of the most intricately detailed bits I've had to ever do. I think of fish out of water when I think of one of the biggest tasks that I've probably had with this one. Um, there's just, and this is a sort of you know, a testament to the amount of detail they've put into this show. Bojack Horseman, of course, I am referring to. But before I dive into that, let's just give this as proper introduction. We are now done talking about Bojack. We are now done having the misery of an episode 11 inflicted on us. And we will go back to the beginning of this episode and do the segment of this show we call... Horsing around, god damn it! We could have done with some horsing around. <laughs> um, where we go back and we go through all of the episode and highlight all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details you might have missed, or indeed the Easter eggs that are in the episode. Again, like I said, testament to the, the team and the crew who make this episode because the amount of time spent on. It's a, fun, it's a fun device to be able to go and bring in the world of Philbat and use it for uh, an opening credits and to use it for a narrative um, device to blend these two narratives, to confuse us and to fill us full of dread. But they've done it excellently. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, that means there's lots of details to go through. So rather than waffle on again and tell you how great the show is, let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> how do you show somebody on a podcast? Let me explain. Hmm. Tell? It's tell, isn't it? This is tell and tell. (laughs) Anyway, we go back to the beginning of the episode uh, where we go to the opening credits. But of course, it is not the opening credits of Bojack Horseman. It is the opening credits of Philbat. I should just give a shout out quickly, as you will hear his name coming up in this section quite a bit. Shout out to Kelly Wine, who is the background designer for the show, who specifically did the credits for this episode. Excellent, excellent stuff. I mean, we've all seen this this type of intro before, haven't we? The the, the board full of clues that might lead to the the, the police mm-hmm. board, and we go from bit to bit. The little the pins in the board, all the posts, it's all the lines drawn between things to connect them. I'm thinking of Charlie in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm thinking of Todd in this very show at the very beginning in season one when he's trying to connect the dots between Bo- Bojack and who re- who ruined his um, rock opera, space opera, whatever it is. But yes, we go to the credits, and let me just run you down. Things we see on these credits, I'll give you a full sort of breakdown of it. We get we see a shot of a police officer LAPD badge. We see a little tab that says, keep your friends close and your enemies close. I imagine that coming into play later on in the episode. <laughs> There's a bunch of post-it notes. These aren't in order, but I'll just list them all now rather than having a dot between them. We have one that says, mayor is in trouble. One that says, check dark web. One that says, buy more pushpins. One that says, ew, gross. (laughs) One that says, leap (laughs) year (laughs) conspiracy. Another that says, don't trust orphans. I wonder if some lessons (laughs) have been learned there from horsing around. Another one that says, Patricia, and has a phone number on it, which I can tell you is a phone number for nothing. (laughs) Because (laughs) I've checked it out and tried it. Um, There's also a post that says, lunch at cost. Lunch at Costco sample tables, which I thought was particularly specific and I enjoyed quite a lot. Um, another one, why do they call her sassy? Which sassy is crossed out, so presumably he's he solved the mystery as to why they call her sassy, Michael. Because <laughs> she's probably a <laughs> second broad, as he would tell you in this show. Um, there's one that says, visit Harry's grave to keep up appearances. <laughs> okay. One that says "pay the gardener." One that says "murder," and then another post they put on it, like a smaller one with a question mark next to "murder" to add two and one. There's one that says "more bodies, more problems." <laughs> Ticket neighbor's car. Another one says it says the next one says this goes all the way to the top, and finally one that says "doctor appointment at ten a.m. on Thursday." <laughs> oh, yes. We then find there's also a mysterious key there, which has a little tag on it that says, if found, please return to PO Box 856, Santa Monica, California, 90406. Which, as we find out doing a bit of digging and shout out to BoJack Hidden Jokes, who who just happened to pop up as I was typing in a search into Google to find out what that might have been related to who did the digging on this a little while ago it seems and can I can tell you courtesy of them thank you Bojack and jokes who said um the address that that is is actually the address of Kelly Wine the background designer who ah, did nice. the credit. There's also a blood uh, a blood there's also a knife with some blood on it we also get a, a little title, which i quite enjoyed it says a vim production so we get to see of course a princess carolyn's vim management is the one producing it um there's a receipt for La Bria Store or L.A. Bria Store, whichever way you want to call that and on that receipt we see it says Trader's Goat, L.A. Bria Store there's like a receipt just for truffle oil, two book chuck dried figs, organic eggs and then at the bottom it says remember to pick up a free sample of our latest items at the goat corner where Cheryl will be cooking up fancy food bites and then (laughs) at the bottom it says Trader Goat's items are often seasonal so be prepared to be and then you don't get to see what it says. I am assuming <laughs> it might be disappointed. Who knows? Um, but also interestingly, Michael, as I did a bit of digging on just the phrase Labria store, or again, apologies if people are laughing at us from across the pond and it is Elliot Bria store, but I think it's meant to be pronounced Labria. Um, if we do a little bit of digging, store.com is a, just a sort of a dead dead website essentially that says coming soon, and it looks like a design kind of website. But Michael anybody who knows, and I'm sure a lot of the American listeners who we have, are screaming La Brea, La Brea! La Brea tar pits are a thing that exists in real life, Michael. The La Brea tar pits are a group of tar pits around which Hancock Park was formed in urban Los Angeles. The ah. natural asphalt, the natural asphalt has seeped up from the ground in this area for oh. tens of thousands of years, which of course, it's not necessarily related to the receipt, but in general, like the La Brea Tar Pits, how have we not ever known Amazing. about Amazing, that's brilliant. The tar of Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, is real. It's, it's real. It's real. There are also some blueprints for a submarine, of course, the famous internal sub submarine that we have. There's also an excerpt from a newspaper. There's a few different excerpts from newspapers, yeah? Um, you can't exactly read all of what it says because it's... You've had to pause it, like, second by second, so you only get little clips of it. But I'll give you what I can from what I've read here. Um, There's a bit, it says, Cause of death has not been determined. Police Officer Sergeant Feather Mills spoke with the press early in the investigation, stating the victim had been chewed and pecked, but that the 73 stab marks on the body were likely what caused the victim's demise. (laughs) Speaking with Downey Upton, who first found the body, Upton tells us emphatically there was a lot of blood, A lot I was ankle deep In the red stuff Before I realised I was standing on his hand (laughs) Upton's accounts Seemed to check out The cuffs on his jeans Were crimson And still had the shine Of freshness Another trespasser Who wished to remain anonymous Stated i just finished peeing Under the bridge And was zipping up When I heard a sloshing sound That's when I realised My bro was standing In some dead dude's blood It was a lot of blood (laughs) third witness who wished to be identified only as murphy stated we were just minding our own business you know you don't expect it and then you can't really see what it says there and then you go up the top it says somebody expressing themselves creatively in the something river at 3 a.m and something like this blood is gross and there was a lot of blood (laughs) the rest is kind of obscured so you can't really get it but you get the gist It's a a little exit, and apparently, Michael, there was a lot of blood, so there you go. A lot of blood. A lot of blood, which seems only fitting then that we find a bloody rag that turns up as part of the um, noteboard (laughs) later on, which I should point out the ew gross post it was next to uh, on the board. There's also an article clipping that says, Detective Honoured with Novelty Mug, and then you see there's a picture of a hand holding a mug that says, Number 1 P.I., and then we get a little bit of text underneath that that says, It was a stellar day for Detective Philbert. you can imagine how festive the station is on a normal day. Add some balloons, a punch bowl, chilled with Hawaiian punch, and 7-Up and a sandwich platter from something, and the place is like Mardi Gras, said Detective Mike, and then you can't see who it is. Um... Philbert was awarded a four parchment certificate with rub-on calligraphy lettering, but also a robin egg blue mug with the cheery graphic number one pi. Save yourself a Google search; it says. But then it sort of panders off. You can't actually see what it says there. <laughs> and then <laughs> across the top of it says, "Upon receiving the mug, and overcome with emotion, Detective Philbert marched and sang in front of a, in marched and sang in front of Detective Belafonte's desk. Blue mug raised high above his head." I got a mug. I'm the one. Your screen could use a hug because I got a because I got shot with a gun. <laughs> then it says, "Not a music fan." <laughs> Bella Fond broke down crying. He just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed uncontrollably. <laughs> Couldn't stop. <laughs> and that's a pretty much as. All you can see from that little article clipping. (laughs) There's a lot of these, as you might imagine. Each one more ridiculous than the next. Um, There's a receipt from a store called Guns, Knives and Beyond, um, which is (laughs) a really weird, dark world alternative to Bed, Bath and Beyond, I think it's fair to say. Um, I wonder if they're trying to make a commentary here, Michael, about guns in America or something. Um,
2: (laughs) Sounds like the type of place to be um, next to a crash or a... like. The children's
1: It, does, it? <laughs> <laughs> it really does, um, but it reads um, guns, knives, and beyond. Uh, and the items that were purchased were one serrated hunting knife, one leather knife sheath, some blue surgical gloves, and most importantly, Michael, some coconut water because you know <laughs> you've got to stay hydrated at the stay end. Hydrated. You've got to, and why not do it with coconuts at the same time? Um, there's also an ID for Steve Dax who is, uh, it's like a dog with a hat. <laughs> Dax, spelled D-A-C-H-S, yeah. I believe. Um, and it's just for a little bit of trivia. He's got the serial number 446 which I did search, but nothing came up for that specifically. If anybody got Steve Dax as being somebody else that might be noteworthy, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. I did do a quick search and had a look. Nothing particular came for me, but maybe it will for you, and maybe I'm just being an idiot. Who knows? Um, there's also another newspaper clip, and it says, Fallout gallops into unaffected communities. Again, with another bit of text below. This is still the credits, by the way, just so you know. How, how wonderful. Bakersfield thought this they, they were safe. Nope. Within hours of the missile strikes and around the Santa Anita racetrack, trainers and racers fled the area in a panic, hoping to lessen their chances of open sores and bleeding rectums I think it says <laughs> it's kind of hard to see because it's a little bit blurry where the screenshots um, been taken from. of course it says it's got to be rectums man. It, it, it's definitely rectums <laughs> it says uh, they could be seen galloping under a green glow late at night we spotted them from our copper chopper explained officer civet coffee bum <laughs> <laughs> they were headed north end of it and then it sort of cuts off there the next bit says end of his street I was having a miller light on my porch couch on my porch couch. That's literally <laughs> what says. When I saw the green light in the sky for a minute, I thought climate change had brought us the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> <laughs> Soon folks in Bakersfield were barricading themselves inside their shacks and trailers and something, something, something. The rest of it is kind of cut off. The only bit I can't really make out is something that says rice or something last until hemorrhaging. So, so. There's just, just a lot of blood. There's just a lot of blood. I don't know if you've got the gist yet, but there's been a lot of blood in this nuclear fallout. I promise we're nearly at the end. Speaking of the nuclear fallout, there is also hilariously a map that has a bunch of areas that have been hit by a nuclear fallout. There's a bunch of names on there, but most notably, Michael, one that's on there is inglewoo not Inglewood, ah. because it seems that the D has not only been stolen from Hollywood, in this show but also from ingle woo i guess it is now <laughs> um there's also a letter exit that we get on the um on this notice board and there isn't a ton that you can grab from this because it's slightly obscured by that little uh, map of nuclear fallout spots but from what i can gather we get a bit that says the bodies of something something found monday evening at the inn there's something and breakfast not there's, there's a couple of bits before that, but The Something Bed and Breakfast, a remodeled seven-bedroom farmhouse at a picturesque bend in the road in the rolling hills of Western Maine. Western Maine, by the way. <laughs> That's in Maine. The police said 50-year-old man from... No, the police said the killer had tried to burn the body of the inn. Guest a 50-year-old man from Arkansas. Detectives and officials from the state medical examiner's office were working Tuesday to remove his remaining... Sorry, to remove his remains from remote woods in the nearby town of Upton. So there you go, more mysteries going mm. on amongst this board. Good Lord, we're nearly there, I promise. We're nearly there. Um, <laughs> there's also uh, an incredible, incredible $100 bill, Michael, I guess, which would normally be a $100 bill, but is now a $100 bill with the face of Vladimir Putin on it that says, Unite- <laughs> The United States of Russia. <laughs> And it says, this note is legal tender and may be laced with poison. (laughs) And then you kind of see, it says 100s all over the the number 100. And then we also see 100 ruble dollars, I think is what it says. (laughs) It's just great. And there's a picture of Putin, obviously, in the middle instead of the usual president from America. And it's very much a caricature of Vladimir Putin. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also another excerpt on the board, which we get. Uh, it's from the Metro News with the headline Traffic Improves Slightly on the 405, with the sub headline Because of Three Million People Perishing in Nuclear Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Which then says it's by the writer Kelly Wine, who again we've mentioned is the background designer for this very scene. And we kind of, the bits we can read from it say If you survived the recent nuclear missile strikes and all around Southern California, it's highly probable you are breathing a sigh of relief on the freeways. Of course you are. Anything that, and then it stops, but I'm guessing it says anything that makes it cleaner is better. The streets and freeways in the aftermath of the rebirth of Los Angeles. It only took me 90 minutes to drive from Long Beach to Carson, gleeful commuter Pixie Prickleback said during the interview <laughs> conducted while I ran alongside here on the 405. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that excerpt. I think that's all the excerpts I need to read. Well I think.
2: done. Thank well God. done.
1: But there, there is a couple of last little bits there. There's a ripped corner of a page that says, Test this. It's got this little blood-looking mark on it, but it says, blood or salsa. <laughs> <laughs> there's another ripped corner page that has the date February 4th, 1966 on it, which, if you do a bit of digging, is the birthday of the background designer Kelly Wine, who's put his own little birthday in there. Um There's also another cutout with a lipstick kiss on it, labelled, lipstick? Question mark, with an arrow pointing to the lipstick. And finally, finally, there <laughs> A ripped page address that says 173, uh, a ripped page address, just the top bit that says 17381 Arlington, Los Angeles, California, 91003. But again, despite some Google searching, I couldn't find anything for it. Oh, and relax, that is the opening credits for Philbat and will <laughs> Of my goddamn life, and there's still loads more to go. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. You're a better detective
2: than Philbert himself, that's why.
1: Well, so I heard. I didn't want to half arse it because this episode deserves a full arse, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we go from there to Philbert's house on the exterior. You will see in this post apocalyptic world of Hollywood, a little bird person floats past the exterior to establish the shot of Bojack's house that bird person Michael for anybody who's ever played the game Fallout will know that they are they're wearing this uh, what looks like one of the vault suits that the characters in that game wear the blue and yellow suit uh, which was just a wink and a nod to the Fallout franchise which I very much appreciated the first time I watched this and again this time mm-hmm. but back then I was currently or had just finished playing Fallout 4 which I thoroughly enjoyed um We go to Bojack's car on the streets of LA as he and Gina are driving down a street. We see a bunch of shops with comical names. Of course, we get 24 hair fitness instead of 24 hour fitness. (laughs) We get fairy house. We get mama set. There'd be days like this in brackets. Expect expert bail bonds, which I'm sure we've seen that one before. And There's also one called Potteroo Barn. (laughs) Uh, There's a (laughs) shop called horny up as well which is just alongside that and another one that you can't quite make out we do get to see as well the woman with the pram who we will remember bojack has stolen this pram of this woman multiple times in this show in the early seasons she used to just have a little daughter in the pram well now she's still got we mentioned last time she had a little daughter who was grown up and a baby in the pram well now we see the little daughter is a little bit more grown up and the baby in the pram is now like a little toddler who's got hair and is grown <laughs> up again in front of our eyes. One of the longest serving gags in this show. Love but that. That's brilliant. Welcome on, nonetheless. Um, Bojack's registration in this one, I think we might have seen this, but just in case we hadn't, feels like a different car. The red says, Whoa, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and a car that's pulled up next to him that has a registration plate that says WLDCHLD, which is obviously translated to Wild Child, as two people are like hanging out the car, taking pictures of Bojack yeah. and Gina at the traffic lights. We go from there to the set of Philbat, Um, and I just loved this little gag where, and thank God for the closed captions, because it was just even funnier reading it that way, when Gina says, without dying around to police Flip's use of the word literally, you'd think the literally store was going out of business, figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) Such a wonderful little gag, that. Um, But we go from shooting on Flip to going into Flip's actual office, and you'll see, in, in a place where he used to seeing all the little ideas and stuff that he has on the boards in there, he's got a whiteboard and a notice board. On the whiteboard, you can see that the previous stuff that was there has been like sort of half rubbed off, like lazily rubbed off. You can still see fragments of it, but he's written the new lines on it, which I've seen like very important stuff, Michael. It says, can ghosts go underwater? There's another bit that says, gritty ghost striptease. <laughs> and one last one that instead of Nietzsche and all that sort of stuff that was written on there, that's all being rubbed off. And just in massive letters it says Bukowski, <laughs> which Bukowski circled like that's a Eureka moment, but I'm not entirely sure Charles Bukowski is like the person you want to be idolizing at this point. Maybe not. But then again, it is Flip figure after all, Michael. Um we go to the other storyboard that I mentioned, the notice board, which gives you the updates on all of the acts usually. We get act one, act two, act three, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So from left to right, we can read the act one says, uh, P is losing touch with reality. Of course, fill that. Uh, there's another one that says, some trippy split identity shit. And then one that says, weird dream. Oh, this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Uh, mm. We get act two, which says, sassy gets emotionally naked. And then another <laughs> little note for it that says, and also naked naked. <laughs> <laughs> then in act three, we get P discovers truth about Fritz, obviously Philbat, and then P discovers truth about himself. So not only do we get the layout for the episodes of Philbat, but this is literally, of course, and figuratively, I guess, what happens in this very episode. We should have been paying more attention to the acts on the board, Michael. They were trying to tell us all along. Who would have really? known it? Because that's this show. It will hit you over the head with stuff in the cold light of day that you never saw coming. We go, though, to Bojack's trailer. Or oh, is it Bojack's trailer, Michael? It's actually Sting Really Otter's trailer, um, which in <laughs> itself, by the way, huge pop that got from me. Very yeah. funny indeed. Um, Bojack saying, as he's lying on the couch, we don't get to figure this out yet, that he's in not in his trailer. He says, something's going on. I must be singing a song called Crazy because everyone's treating me like a patsy, which is, of course, a reference to Patsy Klein's song Crazy, but brilliant mm. little play on words with Patsy Lovely and Crazy that. there. Thought that was very well done. Excellently, though, inside Stingray Liotta's trailer, Michael, you'll notice on the wall is a picture of a Corvette, as we see the words Corvette squiggled on it, and a very specific looking Corvette. After doing a little bit of digging, that is a particular kind of Corvette. It's a C3 Chevrolet Corvette, also known as the Chevrolet Corvette Stingray C3, because Stingray Liotta, Michael, and that is what it is. Of course, it is. Brilliant stuff. We go back to Bojack's house. At least I think it's Bojack's house. It's hard to tell between Bojack's and Philbats at this point. Um, Brilliant line here that had me in stitches when he's trying to play it cool in front of Gina. His his subconscious tells him, play it cool, Bojack, play it cool in front of Gina. And he stands up and says, Hey, daddy-o, got a Splitsville to the tree. If you catch my drift, hang ten. (laughs) before he goes into the bathroom and of course opens up his medicine cabinet and inside the medicine cabinet he is trying to get a handful of uh, what would normally be barbasol but in this world it's bearbasol because it's like a bear, Michael, you see? Of course it is, of course it's it is. an animal pun The first one they've done in the whole show. <laughs> they should definitely do more of these animal buns. Um, we go from there though, across to Todd's office. In what time is it right now? Or is it, Michael? Because technically it is but really we're watching the advert that Todd is doing because he hasn't done any adverts for (laughs) programming. Imagine a world where that was the truth. Um, But brilliantly, as you mentioned, he's smoking a pipe, and he sort of does that, oh, hello, I didn't see you come in there, kind of. (laughs) He smokes the pipe and blows out what looks like a smoke ring, but then blows out two more little things to go with it, which are the the big hand and the little hand of a clock, which form a smoke clock that he's blown out of his mouth, which is absolutely excellent, a lovely clock face that he's blown out. And then on top of that, though, an even better detail, that they don't have to do, again, but they do anyway, he puts the pipe back in his pocket. He sort of says, like, well, enough of that, and puts the pipe in his suit pocket away from harm. But because it's a pipe maker, he hasn't really blown out or done anything with it. So on his, like, suit exterior, where would be the adjacent part of the pocket, it starts to get black with, like, (laughs) soot, because it's obviously either, like, burning or just, like, suiting through his suit. It's amazing. (laughs) Such a tiny detail they don't need to do, but they do it anyway because it's Bojack Horseman, of course. Of course. We go across to um, Bojack's house once again, and that brilliant bit when he picks up the letter, the ransom note that he believes, and he says the lines, Michael, who sent this? What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is a reference to Hollywood stars and celebrities. What do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. That famous TV show, the quiz show from season two. On top of that, we go across to Philbert's police car, from this moment and brilliantly just a nice little line of dialogue from gina which i thoroughly enjoyed this case is like the movie love actually no leads <laughs> 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 which is absolutely excellent for anybody who's ever seen that film a one that always seems to come around at christmas that one uh, particularly yeah. my family home And um, but the more it got said in the broad light of day not a single lead in a film full of a huge, huge cast. Um, there's also a picture of Bojack and the coroner on the beach drinking cocktails together in his um, wallet that he shows Gina when he says, like, me and the coroner used to be best friends. It's a really funny picture. I don't know why it made me laugh so much, but it was very funny little detail indeed. We go from there across to Diane's apartment, and as he goes in, I just thought it was funny. Bless her, Diane. I love Diane, but... It's hard not to feel bad for her when we go into already called Letrist Apartments, the sad apartment. <laughs> and as you will see, she's got this ready meal in her hand. And the packaging for the ready meal can be seen on the kitchen bench. And the packaging reads, Hungry Gal. And it's just <laughs> this pink box with the word hung, words Hungry Gal written on the side of it. And this <laughs> the ready meal, man, it's just such a sad little ready meal that she's got. She didn't even get to eat it either. Jack eats it in the end. But there you go, hey ho. We go back to Bojack's house into his office. We've been in there a few times before, and he's—it's when he's looking at his phone to see who he should call. We get a list of people on his phone, and there's some quite interesting names in here. Michael, we get Banksy, <laughs> we get Pierce Brosnan, we get Sandra Bull Ox <laughs> instead of Sandra nice. Bullock, uh, we get Gerard Butler, we get Rose Bird spelled B Y R D E, but Bird nonetheless. We get one that says Nick Cage in brackets. Don't call. <laughs> we then get Charlotte, who obviously we know should have don't call next to her, but doesn't. And then we get Chipotle, which also says Michael, don't call, which makes you wonder what them. <laughs> and then below, then we also have George Clunas and we have Penelope Cruz as well. There you go. Excellent A list of who's who celebrities. What do they know? Are they in his phone book? Let's find out. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, for me personally, one of the funniest gags in this episode. When he's speaking in a mock Scottish accent to Kyle on the phone, it just seems like a nothing little bit, this. Um, but he is talking in this... It's a terrible Scottish accent, we can all agree. And then on top of that, just when he finishes off and he panics in his talk to Kyle, and get, he was trying to get off the phone, he just says the phrase, You're the man now, Doug! <laughs> <laughs> As he hangs the phone up, which, for anybody who's interested, and obviously probably knows this, is a reference to, well, first of all, meme culture in general. Because mm. for anybody who is familiar with the memes, that was literally the website that's called You're the Man Now Dog that was made, which is now ytmnd.com, but it used to be you'rethemannowdog.com, which is literally the home for all memes. Uh, I think it's Max Goldberg, the guy who started up the website. But of course, the meme, the famous meme that has this, is the picture of Sean Connery pointing and saying, You're the Man Now Dog, which in itself, the origin of that. <laughs> brilliantly because Sean Connery of course Scottish man hence the Scottish accent on the phone to Kyle uh, it comes from the film Finding Forrester in itself is actually a thing that Sean Connery says in that film where he just says the phrase you're the man now Doug (laughs) (laughs) and of course the other tidbit which I'm really sorry because I know someone brought this to our attention on Twitter uh, a little while back is also used again isn't it it's the surname well full name but of our good friend Judah, of course. Mm. That's Carolyn's former assistant at this point, current yeah. assistant, former Four. assistant now. Um Judah, Judah's full name, as you find out, is Judah Manodog, which of course when broken down is Judah <laughs> Man now dog, which is an amazing deal <laughs> in itself. If it was you, by the way, who did tweet us that, I'm sorry, please do let us know it was you. Thank you. You're a genius. We even read it on point blank and somehow didn't see that. And now yeah, that we've heard it, we cannot not see that. We see it every single time. We go from there, though, across to Philbat's office now, a very different office, Michael. Um, and you will see that on his desk, he has the number one PI mug that we saw that I read in the article for earlier on. There's also two books. One of them is called I'll Be Gone in the Shock," which is a... A reference in itself, instead of the book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is the 2018 book and now TV show written by Michelle McNamara, uh, which is, of course, like a murder investigation, murder mystery thing. And then there's another book called In Cod Blood, which is (laughs) instead of the 1966 Truman Capote novel, In Cold Blood. Again, another book about um, the murders and murder mysteries of murder investigations from a certain time period itself. Um, so, all relevant, it seems. We go across to the set of Philbat, and uh, brilliantly, Mr. Peanut Butter talking to Pickles on the telephone says, Pickles about dinner tonight. Am I any network with a show starring Kyle Bornheimer? Because I have to cancel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, ironically, I guess this does fit. But the place that I know Kyle Bornheimer from, he's been in tons of different things. I know him as the guy who plays Teddy in Brooklyn 99, which in itself did actually get cancelled before it got re. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um,
0: re-commissioned,
1: it? recommissioned, I guess, mm. by a different network, but nonetheless, it came back. That's who he is. You'll know his face. I guess he's been in a lot of shows that got cancelled, yeah. maybe. One of those classic RBW little jabs that doesn't really mean anything, but it's there nonetheless.
2: It's a Gina thing, isn't it, as well? Like, that's course, a whole it's deal. Pre-filber.
1: It's, it's not never gets it. the... Yeah. <laughs> Bless her. Um, we go across to Bojack's office once again. And he's got that little um, notice board of his own where he's trying to figure out the crime. And he's pins a picture, as you mentioned brilliantly, when he says, what have they all got in common? And he literally pins a picture of Common, the rapper, on the board <laughs> uh, when he's trying to figure it all out. And obviously, not just is it Common, but there's a bit underneath that says, Common Pen's new song for Philbert mixtape as well. So he's Excellent. obviously found the clipping that goes with it to tie it all together. Um, we go to Warbler Brothers' entrance slash exit, if you will. It's just a quick one. This, as, as you said, Bojack flaying the set to go and um, see Todd at Todd's mm-hmm. office. He like smashes through the toll booth entrance, which has got like the little arm that stops people from getting in and out. And brilliantly, on the window of the toll booth, it just says, all vehicles better stop. <laughs> <laughs> car smashes through the arm on the toll booth we go of course over to ted uh, ted to todd's office at what time is it right now um, and that's just a bunch of you mentioned it todd's terrible merch and advertising and marketing deals that he's done he's done deals with a company called oopsie got a poopsie which is quite, <laughs> clear, quite clearly a diarrhea brand like a it's got a gob full of water yeah he's nearly spat out everywhere um, which is which is the brand that he's done the merch for? There's a ton of different things here. There's a Gina cardboard cutout, which, again, this must be for a different brand of thing because Gina's cardboard cutout says, Yippee Kaye, cancer. <laughs> <laughs> which is totally ridiculous. Bojack's cardboard cutout reads, Oopsie, got a poopsie. And then Mr. Peanut Butter's cutout. I should point out, obviously, these are um, Sassy, uh, Philbat, and Fritz, of course, not Bojack, Gina, and Peanut Butter. But you get the gist. Peanut Butter's cutout now reads Barf Me a River Diarrhea. That's <laughs> <Very good>. a <laughs> Me a River Fart Bag from the last episode. There are also a bunch of action figures. There's large cartons of Oopsie Got a Poopsie, which I assume are adult diapers at this point. I can only figure out that's what must be inside these packs. There's also lunch boxes with Filba on. There's flasks with Filba on. Replica. There's replica um, number one PI mugs that they've done, which you can get. There's also Philbert board games, as you mentioned, the Phil Burritos, <laughs> the little brand of thing, <laughs> and then that we had shot of how long Todd's office actually is, and all those cardboard cutouts that are sort of spread out down there. And um, there's a shot of some Philbert Funker Pops, which ended up actually being made in real life, wow, good. real life Philbert Funker Pops, which maybe have been a little Easter egg in itself, that one. And um, but brilliantly, Michael as all those cardboard cutouts get knocked down, hidden amongst the cardboard cutouts is, of course, the man we shall be referring to as the office gentleman who is just floating around on the floor for some reason, gets knocked over by the cardboard cutouts and makes a weird noise. Maybe the first <laughs> noise he's made in the whole show, maybe not. Um, But yeah, I've also written there about just the whole office collapsing was just mm-hmm. an absolute mind-blowing moment, terrifying right. in itself. And now, ladies and James we go to the set piece of the whole thing here. Yeah. The hallucination that Bojack has. This tr- weird, trippy dream that he goes into. So first up we have, as Gina begins to sing the song, she sort of gets onto some like steps and the lights go up to reveal a full cast who are going to be part of this performance with her. The cast, of course, are all people from Bojack's past and present. We see people, not the actual versions, we should point out, people dressed up in these weirdly nightmarish versions of Diane, we see Sarah Lynn, we see Herb, we see uh, someone dressed as Hollyhock with a horse head on. We see Todd, we see uh, Wanda. Of course, I think mm-hmm. it's very specific that we see the way they're laid out. We see Diane, Sarah Lynn, Herb, and Hollyhock on one side of Gina, and on the other side we see Todd, Wanda, the Owl from season two, I think it was Gorgeous Girl season yeah. two. We see Charlotte, we see Princess Carolyn, and we see Kelsey Jannins as well, all sat there all very much affected by Bojack's actions, I think we can mm. all agree. We then see a breakdown of um, the observatory sort of scene with the stars and silhouettes, if you recall, which came at the very night when Sarah Lynn died, where Bojack and her are looking at the stars and we just see their silhouettes. Gina does like a dance in amongst all of that. It's all very nice. And then we get a bunch of set pieces, um, which are very notable locations from Bojack's life and past and present as well there is bojack's house that we get to see sort of from the cliff edge shot we get uh, there's also the griffith observatory which of course we know what happened in the griffith observatory amongst many other mm-hmm. things um there's bojack's boat the escape from la can be seen in the background on wheels there's also the hollywood d just the d which we remember he stole um, there's also another house in the background behind the D, which is Charlotte's house, the front of Charlotte's house from New Mexico. And again, another house that we see a glance of, which is the front door of the horse and around house, as mm. you'll see the stable door that's sort of cut the two halves that opens top and bottom. Um, and there's also, uh, in the next shot that we cut to, we get to see Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter's old house just floating around in the background, as well as then going through the television in this weird little nightmarish dream. Uh, onto the Dick Cavett show, which you'll recall is the show we see um, Secretary being viewed on when Bojack is watching him on the telly. And there's a character who's playing Secretary with a horse's head on again. Um, the whole thing is, is then followed by, as I mentioned, this sort of tunnel of nightmarish scenes, as I've called it, um, each one drawn in that stupid piece of sh- illustration style. First one on the left hand side, you'll see Bojack taking away uh, Beatrice's baby. As Hollyhock and Tina are stood around, it's all very dramatic, horrible, yeah. and nasty scene in itself. On the other side, you'll see Bojack on his boat with Charlotte and Penny in this mm-hmm. weird climax moment of something bad about what happened. We all know what happened there. Um, we then see, Michael, interestingly, on the other side again, we see Bojack and Sharona, his hairdresser from the Horse and Around set, And Mm. something has gone wrong in that scene. Now, this is the one that we don't know about, but it was alluded to last week during the argument between Bojack and Diane, where he's listing off all these terrible things he does, and he does mention Sharona, who, of course, we saw at the Halloween party and was mentioned again. It's all very specifically mentioned in Sharona. We don't even know what this one is yet, but it must have happened inside Bojack's uh, dressing room because Mm. she she's in tears, and he can be seen sort of, shrugging looking like he doesn't know what's going on all in this nightmarish scene. And then finally, we also get to see Bojack stealing the D from the Hollywood sign that he's got on his back as he's strolling through the whole day of the Hollywood sign sort of crushing him. Almost the weight of it all feels yeah. quite significant. Also. Um, mm. we also get another shot as Bojack comes out of the back door of a house. And it is the, of course the old sugarman place, which we see him rebuild in season in the beginning of season four, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, before he decides to demolish it at the end <laughs> of the episode. Um, but that's another notable location of his. We then see him on a completely different sort of uh, set, if you will. Uh, driving down a long road, as you mentioned, full of Philbat product advertisements. There's one called Oopsie the Game. There's one called Oopsie Snacks, which I wonder what Oopsie got a Poopsie Snacks tastes like, Michael. That's <laughs> Another combination I want to know There's also a Philbat Breakfast Crunch Which is a cereal There's Philbat Ice Cream And that's just one that's just called Lunchtime With his head on And a giant sort of mouth of his on it Really trippy, horrible kind of stuff This. Um, there's also, as you mentioned we go to another scene, a woman who is tap dancing, dressed like Beatrice, wearing a horse's head again, and she tap dances her way into the coffin. I wondered if this was also in reference to that lovely moment that he said between his father, where his father would come and watch Beatrice. She would dance for a little moment, and it was like the nicest thing about their relationship.
2: Oh, yeah. She's
1: almost majestic and almost like a good person for that one mm-hmm. brief moment before it all went to shit again. Um, <clears> you mentioned horrifically, Dancing her way into a coffin, the woman yeah. who actually wants told to Bo Jack no matter what you do, you got to just keep. It's just, does she even say keep dancing? here? Yeah, I think she might. Uh, yeah. when at a young age, just... she berates him for not wanting to dance or sing as the or keep acting, keep them clapping or whatever. I can't remember what she says, but it all feels very fitting, yeah. And then the only bit of the only bit of reprieve that we get from any of this, Michael, is some marching slash dancing popsicles that are going to all be seen in the background. <laughs> dancing with their legs around Bojack in this weird carnival style, which is actually quite funny, just before he snaps out of the dream, as you mentioned, and comes into reality. Whew, nearly there. We go to Bojack's, no, we go to Philbert's house. We are on the balcony of Philbert's house. And I just thought it was quite telling, really, that despite a nuclear holocaust, Michael, that literally landed on all of Hollywood and the surrounding areas, the Hollywood sign has, of course, survived. The nuclear pocket. <laughs> it's only got a little bit of mildly charred, mild charring on the letters, but the- there it is in full. Yeah, full letters. No, nothing missing. No damage. Just a little bit of like charred letters. And um, we go from there though to inside Philbert's house. The last little moment, this actually, uh, and we see Gina when she's telling Borja that he was the one who made the ransom note. We see her holding a magazine. It's the Oprah magazine that she's reading, and she says. No oh, as she holds the magazine up and points to it. But brilliantly, the Oprah Magazine headline says, How to Transform Your Mind and Declutter Your Brain. Oh, God. Oh, brilliant. I'm sure Bojack wishes he'd read that or could just take a little bit of that <laughs> advice before this entire episode had indeed happened. Whew. Now, that's everything. That is everything oh, from this week's episode of Horsin' Around. Sorry, there was a lot. I apologise, but what do you expect? It's a, it's an episode eleven. It was always going to run along. but yes, that is it. That is everything except Michael. For according to our sponsors, believe it or not, we do still have time for one last thing. And then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Please, Michael, you go first because I've been doing a lot of talking there. <laughs>
2: well, I've got some good news and bad news then, because I will go first, but it's to ask you a question. Oh. <laughs> I loved uh, a little sort of a passing moment in this episode. Very literally so, in fact. It was a passing glance, but it wasn't a glance of Bojack's. It was a glance of mine and yours and everybody else watching. Do you think that when Bojack is so consumed with his suspects and the board, that when the balloon flashes past his window ever so briefly, you see it flying out of his window, and he doesn't, but we do, do you think that's real? And we are, in fact, seeing that balloon in real time on its way out of Hollywood, on its way to that <laughs> um, that coastal convent where Margot Martindale sees it. and re- Like, that we accept as a thing, a moment of reality, don't we? Margot Martindale sees this balloon. Another moment of reality is Diane releasing the balloon, also real. And in this episode where it's so hard to discern what's happening and what isn't, Especially when it comes to that balloon specifically, every other shot features Bojack acknowledging its existence, except that one. And I just wonder in the in the timeline of the hundred foot floating Bojack balloon, is that real against all these other like manifestations of Bojack's imagination? Is that
1: legit? I've got two answers for you here. One answer is. I like the idea that it would be real. I like the idea that it's like a, a play on a play on a play, isn't it? it it's mm. real, but we've seen it so many times where it wasn't obviously real in his head that we just don't know anymore. Now is the boring answer that is probably the right one because this is like six months later, isn't it? I'm sure. Mm. Do, we, do we not find out what this is like so? Oh, hang
2: on, yeah, In With, all yeah, of the, lap,
1: the, in, so, in, yeah, yeah, yeah in order for that balloon to survive. I mean, saying that, it's a large balloon, so it could feasibly <laughs> last that long. And I like this idea that it might have just come all the way back round. Yeah. Um, I am into that, definitely. I think the boring answer, though, logistically is probably not. Mm. Probably. Although... You never know, because this is Bojack Horseman, and anything is possible, Michael. And let's face it, it's a world full of talking animal people. So <laughs> I think we get a bit of creative license here. I'm going to go with answer number one and say, yeah, why not? I like the idea that it could mm-hmm. still be there. Mine, unfortunately, is more talking from me, uh, <laughs> which I didn't want. I wish <laughs> I hadn't. Fi- I wish I hadn't picked this one. But I realise I've done a lot of talking, but I just thought we should break down real quick, as fast as I possibly can. Uh, The lyrics from the song, Don't Stop Dancing Till Curtains Fall. Um, I will do this quick. And you can read into what you want. There will be no tune or rhyme or rhythm of this. I will just be reading this as it is written. Um, But I just thought they were made for some interesting uh, reading. So it goes as follows. Life is a never-ending show, my friend. A twisting, turning, ever-bending show. The audience is everyone you know, my friend. Leave them with a smile when you go. You can bet that you're a star, so don't forget how fun you are. Get up there and give it your all. And don't stop dancing, don't stop dancing till the curtain's fall. You are a rotten little cog, mon frere. Spun by forces you don't understand. Living is a bitter nasty slog, my Why not sell your sadness as a brand? Paint your face and brush your mane and find some place to cut your pain. To portions we can buy at the mall. Woof don't stop dancing, no you can't stop dancing till the curtains fall and then she says, "Ah, oh, shucks today's the day you've got the spark and find a way to make your mark and get your tiny name on that wall, mm-hmm. so don't stop dancing, baby don't stop spinning don't stop belting buddy now we're winning, grief consumes you but you keep, but you just keep grinning, the ache becomes you and it's just beginning <laughs> don't stop dancing nothing's certain but the curtain Michael
2: <laughs> Incredible.
1: I mean, just as a song in itself is brilliant, just as a as a poem as writing, as a piece of prose, it's excellent to put it together in a song that's so brilliant at delivering exactly what they want in that moment. That Chicago esque showmanship of all of this kind of thing, I just thought. I mean, just just let just sit with that for a bit because that is just excellently done. Excellently done, as it is time and time again. I assume Jesse Novak was on composing duties again for the tune itself, mm. but what a song that is, man!
2: It's epic in scale in what it attempts to achieve. I, I'm not, um, I, I, I don't know how to speak technically about music, uh, but the the build to the crescendo while reverting into a minor key, I think, I think is how you describe that. Somebody correct me on Twitter if I've got that completely asked backwards. Um, yeah, to the point where Gina is like, almost like her voice is almost circling the drain. She's she's out of juice. And yet all she's doing is piling on the misery, piling on those, those final lyrics. Like, you don't stop. You can't stop. Even if you want to, you're not going to be allowed to. Like, it only gets more miserable. The music starts to ramp up but like the tones of her vocals just start to go down and down and down and down. It's, it's magic, absolutely magic.
1: And you've given me two things to add to that there, because I mean, one, just like listening to the song and thinking about what she's talking about. And we think about what Bojack's done for five seasons. When did he ever stop? He hasn't stopped to take like stock of anything. He just keeps going and going and going. It's no wonder he's hit burnout, unfortunately. But on top of that, Michael, what have you just said there? That's given me such a great idea. As the crescendo is happening, as all of the what you might call tension and sort of real impact is beginning to take place in the song, some might even call it the chokehold of the song, Michael. What oh, is happening? Very good. What is happening to Gina's voice? As you mentioned, it's sort of running out and running out and running out. Perhaps a foreshadowing in itself, maybe, very nice. maybe to gina being choked out by bojack later in this episode i know i wish it was like a ufc chokeout that was quick and harmless but no (laughs) sadly not an actual try to murder you strangle a death choke out anyway on that high note (laughs) (laughs) i think that's all of us done all that we could do for this episode other than of course to plug our podcast why the hell not we've just been through an ordeal So if you'd like to go through more ordeals with us or indeed help us (laughs) get through these current ones, please do follow this podcast at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. We love talking to you all. We would love to hear your thoughts about episode 11, another one, which I hope you've all survived. It's been another turbulent moment, to say the least. And fingers crossed you did indeed watch episode 12 to follow it, just to kind of ease your pain, hopefully. It can't be as bad as episode 11, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on top of that, if you would like to follow either of your hosts, please do. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at it's Adam Nicholas, and you can follow Michael Hamflit
2: at Michael Hamflit and you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe or follow depending on what version you've got you can get it on Spotify where you can also follow on Acast where you can subscribe and stream on Overcast on Amazon pretty much anywhere where you can get your podcast you can get Podcast Horseman including on that Twitter account at Podcast Horseman every Friday new episode goes up like clockwork diligently uploaded by Adam Nick we he gives himself a lot of stick for those stars but that podcast is always on time and that's the main thing that'll be there every single week for you rain or shine and as you can about this review we've had an awful lot of rain um now as we've uh, said at the start of this episode there's normally a star given to somebody that leaves us a five-star review would like to point out that that will be returning for season six season six i don't know it's the last season of bojack horseman last (gasps) season of podcast horseman so get your five-star reviews in now if you want a chance at having well the last chance at getting a star on the hollywood talk of fame this season it's been for quote tweets Um, The link that goes out every Friday, quote, tweet that. Share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, share it with your followers. Get more people talking themselves horse about talking horse, which is what regular listener, contributor, and subscriber James Wright did at Jim underscore Blade on Twitter, at Jimmy Blade when he used to wear a pair of wrestling tights on the northeast circuit. He's left us a very kind quote tweet. Thank you very much, James Wright. He said, and this is in relation to last week's episode of Podcast Horseman, he said, things you won't find about on this week's podcast Number one, what happened at the end of The Mandalorian? Number two, how and if they defeat the Gremlins in Gremlins 2, The New Batch? And number three, what happens in episode 11 of season five of Bojack Horseman? Uh, This is episode 10, and it's a spoiler-free review. Well, he was correct there, but now, having listened to this, you've also had your episode 11. So that's made a perfect circle of that. Thank you very much for that, James. A quote tweet, season five star, winging its way to you
1: very soon. Very soon, indeed. And do you know what it is? It's been nice getting those stars out of the way, but I'm hoping to continue doing the one a week because it's so much easier than doing (laughs) 500 at the end of a long stint of not doing them. So fingers crossed, you all keep getting your stars and everybody's still happy. Oh, I need a break now, Michael. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. But just before we do disappear from this week's episode, we'll give you the synopsis for next week's episode. The final episode of Season 5, Michael. Season 5, mm. Episode 12. If this one was called The Stopper, then Season 5, Episode 12 is called The Stopped Show. In the midst of the latest PR crisis, Princess Carolyn gets a life-changing opportunity. With Diane's help, Bojack finally faces... The music. You mean this wasn't him facing the music, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find out what happens in that episode, the next one of BoJack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman, you'll have to come back next week, if you haven't already decided to call it a day <laughs> on this <laughs> absolutely torturous show. Who would want to do that though, Michael? We love it. We wouldn't have it any different. Anyway, with that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this is It's been Podcast Horseman. Um.